0: church. Good morning. Glad to be here with you this morning on this beautiful crisp day as we get ready to celebrate fall. I love the changing of the seasons. I don't know about you guys, um, but I love fall. Oh, thank you, Tony. Tony said he can't hear me. I don't think I've ever heard that from anyone before. I can't hear you, Teresa. <laughs> um, welcome to those of you worshiping with us online as well. Let's read some scripture from the Lord, huh? Praise the Lord, my soul. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. We know that all scripture is God-breathed. Therefore, every word we we read is important. So I find it such a blessing when the Lord takes one line from his word and places it directly on my heart. That last line from today's call, he made known his ways to Moses his deed to the people of Israel really struck my heart. My husband and I are going through season of life changes, and sometimes we are impatiently waiting on the Lord, that the Lord would make his ways known, that the Lord would tell Moses his why, not just his what, gives me such faith and hope that God will reveal his why to all of us in time. If you're in a time of waiting, I pray that this promise gives you as much hope as it gives to me. Let's pray. Lord, we love you so much, and we are so grateful for this place where your people can come together to worship you. We confess, Lord, that we aren't always so grateful to get up early to get here, and that we allow the logistics of the morning to get in the way of our worship. Thank you, Lord, for loving us still. I ask that you touch the hearts of those of us who are waiting on you, Lord, so we know you have a why and that all is according to your will. We pray that this service and all parts of it are pleasing to you. We pray for pastor as he leads this church and brings us your word. Would you give him strength, compassion, and endurance? Thank you, God, for his faithful service to this place, to your people, but most of all to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand as we confess our faith, please? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to the dead. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, in Christ's universal church, the communion of all believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's worship. Good morning, everyone.
1: So for the last few weeks, I've been encouraging you to build a framework for your worship built around three things, rejoicing, praying, and giving thanks. And the question might be, why build a framework? Why do I need that? And I was brought back to my childhood where on the side of the house I grew up with, there was this trellis. And one day I asked my mom, why is that trellis there? And she said, That's where your grandfather used to plant his climbing rose bushes. Now, without that trellis, those climbing rose bushes would have ended up on the ground. Where, one, you wouldn't have seen them. And, two, they could get trampled on. That framework was very important to exposing the beauty of those roses. So, when you think of your worship time as beautiful roses... That you want God to see. That you don't want anyone to be trampling on. Think about having that framework of rejoicing. Of praying. And of giving thanks. When
2: it's dark and I lose sight.
3: Morning, I'm inviting you, if you have any need whatsoever, perhaps you have you're here this morning and you need a touch in your body, you need healing. Well, our Lord Jesus Christ specializes in healing. So if you need a touch in your mind, you need a touch in your wallet, whatever the case may be, we want to invite you down here and we want to pray with you. So come on down as we continue to worship. online this morning. Try to make an altar right there where you're watching us and pray along with us. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Our gracious and loving Heavenly Father, help us to truly turn our eyes upon Your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us to see Him in Your marvelous creation. Help us to see Him in both saint and sinner. Help us to see Him in the children and the youth that you have entrusted into our care. Help us to see him in the many who come here for food each week. Help us to see him in our neighbors or our fellow workers. Let the things of this earth, the problems, are our sometimes less than helpful attitude towards others. Let them fade away. And let us envelop ourselves in your glory and grace. And then help us to minister that grace to those around us. Lord, we really don't have the words to describe how much we love you. We see your work in the beauty of the world around us, the world you created, and we are in awe. As the psalmist says, this is all you're doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. We long for the day when all creation will be restored and will perfectly reflect its Creator. But until that day arrives, we will continue to marvel at all that You do, and we lift up our voices in praise. We recognize that this world is fallen because of sin, and we ask Your forgiveness for our faults and failures to do what is always right in your eyes. Forgive us also for the times when we have not been faithful to you. Restore us again, we pray, so that we might please you by striving with the help of the Holy Spirit to do your will. For those who are sick this morning, we ask for your healing power for body, mind, or spirit. Hear our prayers for those who may be ill, And give them the faith they need to trust in you for just the right answer. For the many ministries that you have given to us at Faith Discovery, we ask that you bless them and provide for their needs. Bless those who give of their time and their energies to make these ministries possible. And finally, Lord, we ask that if there are any watching us online today or perhaps even here within this building that don't know you as Lord and Savior, we pray that you would use this service, the word spoken, the ritual is observed, to convince them of their need for a Savior. Give them the faith they need to reach out to you and ask to be born anew into the kingdom of God. And let their eyes and ours fall upon Jesus and behold His grace. All these things we ask in the name of your Son, Jesus, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. If you would, take a minute and greet someone, especially if you're not sure who they are.
4: Good morning again. It's good to see all of you here. For those of you who might be a little bit new with us, maybe it's one of your your first weeks. And if you haven't filled out an information card or gone to our information center, there is a gift waiting for you. If you wanted to go say hi to Pastor Jerry after the service, um, he would be happy to greet you. And we are glad that you're here. There are cards in front of you. There's a QR code in the bulletin. You can use any of those things to reach out to the office, to reach out for a prayer, to have your questions answered about how you might be able to serve in our church as well but most of all we are glad that you're here we are back into fall so that means that awana and youth are both meeting this afternoon at four o'clock awana right here youth up at the family fellowship center and here's a little preview about the what the youth will be studying over the next few weeks
5: one thing we probably have in common is that we all want to make a difference with our lives a word that you hear a lot these days, especially with the rise of social media, is the word influencer. And I think all of us, on some level, want to live that kind of life. The question is, how do you do that? I'm standing on the roof of a church where I'm pastor on a special Sunday. More than 20 years ago, when I was an intern of this church, I remember climbing up here in the morning and just looking over the city praying that God would use me in some way to make a difference, that I had no idea how. And The truth is, we're drowning in confidence that tries to tell us how. Over the years, I've read books and conferences and podcasts, and I've tried to learn best practices of those who might call It's been helpful. The longer i follow followed Jesus, the more i realize. realized... He never had a position. never on a resume. He didn't have thousands of friends on Facebook or Instagram. He wasn't doing nothing. He didn't have a YouTube channel. He never even started a podcast. So how did he do? And as I read through the Gospels with this in mind, it just to clear to me Jesus changed the world one at a time, one conversation at a time.
4: So, we apologize for the audio on that. Maybe those of you watching online could hear that. So, here's what we're going to do. Next week, or pretty soon after that, we're going to have to have a youth come up here and tell us what they're learning about, (laughs) tell us what that video is about. If you see a a youth um, over the next few weeks, you ask them, and they will let you know what they've been studying. So we apologize um, for the audio on that. Okay, coming up soon is Sister Strong. We'll be starting a new study our new sister strong study, there we go, Um, women um, in the Bible. So this is a wonderful time on September 27th at 7 o'clock. If you've not been part of women's group in the past, um, we meet over in the cafe. Put it on your calendar. Plan to join us. I'm sorry, September 22nd. Um, Plan to join us there um, in the cafe as we start a new study together. And I'm going to invite Pastor Jerry to come up as he talks about membership.
6: Thank you. Good morning. Look alive. Look alive. All right. Probably a lot of you uh, hear the word membership. You say, hey, I'm a Christian. I'm already a member of the church. And it's absolutely true. You are a member of the big C church on the screen behind me. That is the Christians of all over the world. And I'm so thankful for that. Aren't you? The big C church, you know, those who believe a little bit differently, those who may practice different rituals, those who live in different places. Wherever I've traveled in the world, it's been wonderful to meet with Christians, those not necessarily of local fellowship, but to know I'm part of the Big C Church. But you have an opportunity to make a commitment to the Little C Church. That's our local fellowship right here at Faith Discovery. Can you flip the slide, please? Thank you so much. There we go. As you become a member of the Little C Church, you are formalizing a relationship. When I was serving as pastor, I loved everyone who attended the church, but it was even special to me to know that some people had formalized that relationship. They've made a public statement. You are my pastor. I am a part of this local fellowship. I'm committed to her mission. I am committed to her ministries. I'm committed to the support in both my service and my financial support. And so I hope that you'll consider taking the step of membership. If you, can you flip the slide? If you have been part of Faith Discovery for at least six months, if you have been baptized in water, you are certainly eligible to come and join Pastor Jason for a class on the 28th of September in the cafe. Breakfast will be served and you'll get the full rundown about what Faith Discovery is, who faith discovery is, how God can work in your life as you're part of the church, and then you can make a decision. Do I want to make the commitment of membership? I challenge you to do that. It's a wonderful thing. Plus, it includes the privilege of voting for uh, big decisions that the church makes because it makes you an official part of this organization. It opens doors to leadership service. So please consider that call. And consider whether or not God is inviting you into membership of this local fellowship, even as you're already a member of the Worldwide Church of Jesus Christ.
4: Thank you. And finally... Had a wonderful day yesterday as we think about you as our congregation and the ways that you give. um, We spent a morning and afternoon over at Festival in the Borough with our Awana booth. Um, We talked to lots of people about Awana. We talked to lots of people about our church here, Um, but more so than that, we were able. We are people who know the love and the joy of Jesus, and so we were able to share that with every single person who passed by our booth. We were able to. Meet kids, meet families, meet people who pass by. We had some adults who came and did crafts with us as well. They were interested in doing that. So um, thank you for providing a way that we can serve our community just by being a kind face, a friendly atmosphere, a place that people feel like we're not trying to get something from them or um, ask anything of them, but we are inviting them someplace where they can come to know that love and that joy that Jesus provides as well. So As we thank you for our giving, um, as we thank you for your giving, it is so important as we continue the ministries of the church for your faithfulness, um, and we ask that of you. We continue to ask that you be faithful in your giving so we can do the things that we do as a church body here, and not only within these walls, but out into the community. So thank you for those things, Um, and after all of those words from us up here, let's refocus ourselves on worship together. So why don't we stand? I was
2: thinking about this song a lot this week. I thought about the words and what they meant. And when I get to that part in the bridge and it says, I sought the Lord and He heard and He answered, I think about the things that He's answered in my life, the prayers that have been answered. And I've been serving the Lord a long time. And there have been many, many prayers that He answered. Even if you've just served the Lord for a little time and are praying about something, seek Him and He will hear and He would answer. And also the, the prayers in the future, God hears them and he, he will answer. We serve a God who hears and who answers. So think about the words of the song when we sing today.
7: Song. It's a wonderful statement. It's a wonderful profession of of belief. But sometimes um, it's a lot easier to sing a song than to believe the words. It's sometimes it's a lot easier to say them than to let them actually be true. There's a there's a somewhat sarcastic saying about about church songs. Christians sing at church that says, uh, Christians don't tell lies, they sing them. And uh, it's, cause it's a little bit of a, a, a semi-truth about the fact that we often profess things, especially during a worship time in church, that are really hard for us to like, concretely believe in. The fact of the matter is to fully come to a place where we trust in God really takes God's help. But it's important for us to come to a place where we do that, where we will commit to saying, that's what I want to do. That's the person I want to be. And so as we wrap up this time, as we focus on Paul, uh, the rest of today's service, would you pray with me that God would be working in us to help us trust him? Um, You know, I, I'm a parent, so a lot of my illustrations are parenting things. But the Bible talks about that God is our father. He's our parent. And as, as young children, uh, young children have to learn to trust their, their parents. Um, we learn to trust God, and God helps us do that. And so if you're here this morning, if you're here and you'd like to be able to, to, it's easy to sing it, but you'd like to be able to live it out, but you find that to be difficult, can I pray for you this morning? In fact, if you don't mind, if you, if I, if you would mind raising your hand, could I just pray for the people who might raise their hand and say that's me this morning? Yeah, and you can put your hands right back down. I see your hands. And, uh, let's pray. Let's pray all together this morning. God, uh, I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you've called us to trust you. That you're faithful enough for us to put our faith and trust in you. But God, we admit this morning, it's not easy there is so many reasons that we find confidence and begin to trust in other things god would you help us to trust in you would you help our hearts to have the faith to believe that you are who you said you are you can do what you said you can do and that you love us just like you said you love us Help us to trust you, God. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Children, you are dismissed to Kids Church. And as they're doing that, check this out. Well, good morning. If we haven't met, if you're new with us this morning, my name is Jason. I'm the pastor here at Faith Discovery Church. And I just want to thank you so much for spending a little bit of your Sunday morning with us. It really is an honor to have you. And of those of you joining us online, it's an honor to have you as well. You are you are a part of this community. You're a part of our family. And so we thank you for joining us there. Encourage you to talk to each other in the chat. Church is better when we're together. And so uh, church is better when you're here. Last week we began exploring, uh, the life-changing experience that Paul, the apostle Paul, had on the road to Damascus when he met, when he met, excuse me, the risen Jesus. And we read about that in Acts 9, and we'll read it again here. In fact, let's just do it right now, starting in Acts 9, verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul, and if you're not familiar, when I talked about Paul, when I talk about Paul, Saul was also his name. So Saul equals Paul for the purposes of this conversation this morning. Saul was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found anyone there who belonged to the way, and that was what they called, by the way, that's just an aside, that's what he called people who were Christ followers at the time. They said they had joined the way. And so he says, If we find anyone who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, the one who you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city. And you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but they didn't see anything or anyone. Saul got up and uh, from the ground, and he went. Uh, Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could not see anything. They led him by hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and He did not eat or drink anything. Last week, I talked about how Saul uh, discovered his purpose on the road to Damascus, and now we have the benefit of perspective when we read this story. Um... When we, uh, we are, we're watching on, almost like we're watching on video. We know the end of the story. We know that Saul becomes Paul and becomes a major voice in the development of the first century church. We know that he writes letters, uh, to churches that, uh, and he becomes an influencer. By the way, the youth video that didn't work is about becoming an influencer. Um, and we 'll get to more about that in just a second, but he, pens, he becomes an influencer uh, of the many teachings of the church, of how the first century church develops, but also the church in perpetuity. We still talk about his letters today, but on that day, on that day, Saul Paul, he didn't know how it was going to end. I like to know how things are going to end. Um, I don't do well with drama. I, when I watch something, Joy and I will typically binge watch shows sometimes. And when I, when we're watching a drama, I'm going to find out what happens, how it ends before the show gets to the end. I need to know because I get torn up inside. I have anxiety. I, I'm not sure. I don't like it. Um, and so some of you know that I have a reputation of like, Reading articles about how a show will end or, um, uh, and, and let me tell you, it frustrates Joy. She will say, we'll be sitting on the couch, she'll be watching the show, I'll be scrolling through my phone watching the show, and she'll say, if you're trying to find out how the show ends, we might as well just turn it off right now. It's not the case. It's way more fun for me to know how it's gonna happen. Um, uh, Interestingly, I do that because it takes away the anxiety I'm more at peace. But when Joy finds out that I did it, the peace in our house disappears. Some of us know uh, how things, for some of us, knowing how things are going to turn out provides a level of control. Uh, and from that control, we find an element of peace and assurance. Do we have any uh, obsessive, controlling type of people here this morning. Yes, some of you are raising your hands. You know who you are. Joy and I, just to give you a little bit of background about us, we both like control, but we express it in, in different ways. Um, I don't necessarily read the last page of the book first, but I like how things are, going to, knowing how things are going to end. Joy likes to be the driver. Um, she feels at peace when she's controlling the outcome of things. Now, when we're in the car together, typically she's not driving, but that doesn't mean she doesn't like to be the driver. If you know what I'm saying, um, we'll move on. On some small scale, we all buy into those narratives. But the truth is, and, and I think we all know this, that on a large scale, none of us are really in control of how things are going to go. And that lack of control can cause uh, to certain le- for, for all of us certain levels of anxiety, some of us higher than others. But we like to believe the narrative that we're in control of things. In fact, oftentimes many of us have gone and, found, and sought help for our levels of anxiety. And one of the things that we learn as we go through, whether it's counseling or, or mental health aids or a lot of the thing, those types of issues and going down those things, which I highly recommend. One of the things you learn is to try to focus on the things you can control. Because when you try to focus on the things you can't control, it is really frustrating. Anybody ever experienced that? I had an experience like that this morning. I like control. I spend a good amount of time planning our service and I download videos. And then the audio on one of the videos doesn't work. And I don't have any peace. To be honest, some of us like control because we believe we buy into the narrative that uh, control will help us find peace and deal with the anxiety. As we read the book of Acts, especially the second half of it, you'll see that Paul is a stubborn man. And I'm guessing he was kind of a control freak on some level. If you really read the book of Acts, you'll learn Paul was maybe obsessive-compulsive, but he was certainly liked in control, and he liked his friends to do what he wanted them to do. Um, And so we see that. Post-conversion to Christ, we have to believe that pre-conversion to Christ, he's even more on this level of liking to control things. And so, as he approaches Damascus, on the road to Damascus, Paul discovers peace when he met Jesus. Now, maybe he had an understanding or a desire for peace before he met Jesus, but he learns a whole new way of peace when he meets Jesus. Jesus. I've, some of you know, I've talked about a couple weeks ago, when we were at the park. One of the things that I'm doing in my, in my seminary program right now is I'm working through Greek and, uh, I'm on a journey. I'm 10 weeks into a 30 week journey on, on studying ancient Greek, which would help, which will basically be be able to help me read the new Testament in its original language. That's one of the things it'll do. The other thing it will do is give me my diploma, which I'm as interested in as reading the Bible in the ancient language. And so as we go through this, as we're learning this ancient Greek, basically you start in like pre-K Greek level and you learn the alphabet and you learn um, the different parts of speech and you go through the the learning process. And as you get, it's pretty easy at first. If you want to learn the Greek alphabet, there's 24 letters. You could do it in an afternoon. You could know it. But as you get to about five weeks in to the program, a a cloud rolls in and your brain enters into this fog area and you're taking in all this kind of memorization, uh, you're memorizing things, word endings and vocabulary and uh, things are building upon things and you literally your brain enters into a fog. And they those of uh, those people who know about how to study languages will tell you that the fog is normal. It's not a bad thing, even though when you enter it, you don't have a clue what's going on, and you're convinced you're lost like this isn't for you and it's not going to work out and the people who are further along on the journey are saying it's okay it's okay you're supposed to feel that way it's normal i don't know how this is normal nobody ever experienced this and you you and they say give it about 3 or 4 weeks in the fog and you'll start to come out of it and um and so as we, we went through the we got to about week eight or nine, things started to make sense. All the things that we had been learning started to tie together. Oh, that equals that. And you start to come out of this fog and you realize, okay, it's going to be okay. Have you ever had an experience where you're, you're learning something, but it doesn't make sense. And then all of a sudden, like, seemingly out of nowhere, the lights go on and things start to make sense. And you're like, whoa, I would have never seen that before. How did that happen? Well, that's kind of what's happening for Paul on the, or Saul on the road to Damascus. You see, peace is not necessarily a goal for this guy. Uh, Paul was definitely a motivated figure, but he he doesn 't seem to be motivated by peace or it doesn 't seem peace doesn 't seem to be high on his priority list because what we know of Paul slash Saul at this time was that he was comfortable creating chaos. Do you know anyone who 's comfortable creating chaos? No, no <laughs> that was Pastor Jerry in the front audibly saying no. Those of you who know Pastor Jerry may have thought, since he doesn't know anyone else who is comfortable creating chaos, four fingers when he points at somebody else are pointing back at himself. <laughs> Paul is comfortable creating chaos, and then he meets Jesus. And when he meets Jesus, Jesus offers order. You see, from the beginning of creation, God has spoken into chaos and created order. And so, Paul meets Jesus, and Paul is a chaos stirrer. He's trying to create, he's literally trying to create chaos in Israel because he's trying to bring the impurity out of Israel to the top. He's spinning, he's stirring, he's spinning, he's causing all this kind of stuff to raise the impurity so the impurity can be wiped away and taken care of. And he meets Jesus, and Jesus stops him, literally stops him on the road, speaks to him, and then takes his sight from him. Paul was comfortable creating chaos, but Jesus offered order. You know, we we talked about this this past Wednesday night at, at uh, our midweek Bible study. I encourage you to to join us on that. We're studying, we're just beginning studying through uh, First Thessalonians. Um, and uh, as we were talking about it, we were talking the background of the church. Uh, this past week, we were talking about the background of the church in Thessalonica, and and which is where the the Thess- Thessalonian book is written to. And in Acts uh, chapter seventeen, it tells us the story of that church founding. And um, we it doesn't take long for us to realize that even post-conversion, Paul develops a reputation for causing chaos. He goes into a city, and this is a regular occurrence for Paul. He goes into a city, and he starts preaching Jesus. Now, it says this was his custom. He would go into the 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 synagogue, and if, they, if the town had a synagogue, if the city had a synagogue, that's where he'd start, and he's preaching Jesus. And typically, he would be met with people who were less than enthusiastic about his teaching, but didn't didn't dissuade him. And so, um, oftentimes, he would do things to the point that he would stir up Anxiety about him. And and we see in several different places, several different cities, riots start because of Paul's preaching. Now, let me be very clear. Paul's not encouraging riots in the book of Acts anywhere. But he's so adamant about his belief. Excuse me. Ooh, that's bad. He's so adamant about his belief in Jesus. He doesn't care that he's upsetting people with what he believes. And so he. Goes about teaching and preaching, and it causes other people to get very emotional. Um, we know that those riots don't happen because of him, but their opponent's reaction to him. And so, but they don't seem to dissuade him from traveling. So, Paul, we see this. Paul, it doesn't seem to be Paul's chasing peace as he's going on these journeys. And we know, <clears throat> excuse me, that's bad. Let's turn my mic off for a second. So if Paul isn't chasing peace and isn't known to cause peace by his presence, how can I say that Paul discovered peace when he met the risen Jesus? Paul discovered what peace really is when he met Jesus. And he found that peace is possible a number of ways. And we can see this from later writings in his life. First, Paul found that peace with God is possible through Jesus. And we see if we look at Colossians 1.15 through 20, it says, the son, of, is the, the son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones... <clears throat> or powers, or rulers, or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things are uh, held together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. Verse 19, for God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether things on earth or in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Paul learns that Jesus is the way to have peace with God. Now, peace with God was something that Paul was interested in. His whole life, he had been zealous in his desire to please God. And so Paul learned when he meets Jesus, Paul had had this experience, this whole life of chasing or looking to attain possible, earn peace with God. And when he meets Jesus, he realizes, he learns that peace with God is not something that we learn. It's not something that we earn, excuse me, earn. You don't have to earn peace with God. You have to accept it. See, it's a gift that's freely given through Christ. Paul thought it was given through accomplishing checklists, living to the law as perfectly as possible. But you can't live to the law as perfectly. You can't be perfect. There are no perfect people. Even though my mother says I'm perfect. At least that's what I heard her say. There are none of us who are perfect. Perfection is impossible. And so we can't earn peace with God. We can accept it because it's offered to us through Jesus, because God made a way for us to have peace with our creator, and that way is through Jesus Christ. And so Paul learns this on the road to Damascus. But let me ask you, what does it mean to have peace with God? Somebody asked me that question this week. What does it mean to have peace with God? And as I thought about it, I thought about the fact that to have peace with God is to reconcile with God. We're born with a nature that call a sinful nature that immediately puts us separate from God. And in order for us to have peace with him, that, that sin has to be taken care of. The, oh, you could almost say that sin has to be wiped out through some kind of earning. But the earning has been taken care of. The, the thing need to do, wipe the sin away is Done. Jesus made a way, and he says to all of you men, every one of us, Jesus' offer is this, accept me, and I'll pay the cost for your sin. Paul lived his whole life to earn the cost for his paid sin, and Jesus says, you don't have to do that. You don't have to have that angst, that inability. You don't have to feel like a failure. Accept me, and you're good. You can have peace with the Father just by accepting my gift. That goes against everything we know to be right. Everything we know to be right. Everything we know to be what we get in life is what is through what we earn. In fact, sometimes when we see people who have been given things, we don't like them. It's... We can hold a grudge against people who have had it too easy. They were born on easy street. Life's just been handed to them. Typically, we look down on those types of situations because they didn't earn what they got. But Paul learns it's not about what you earn. It's about who you accept. And if you'll simply accept the love of Jesus, you can have peace with God. To surrender to a divine being, to accept God's direction and provision, to accept that God's plan is better than ours, and to reconcile with him. That's what it means to have peace with God. But on the road to Damascus, Paul doesn't just learn that peace with God is possible. He learns that peace with each other is possible because of Jesus. Ephesians tells us in, verse, in chapter 2, For he himself is our peace. And he has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, dividing uh, the dividing wall of hostility. I'm not going to go on to read everything I, I had there. But in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says, Jesus is our peace. He's talking about two groups of people who shouldn't be able to coexist e- easily. Jews and Gentiles. They had Fundamental differences that made them not be able to coexist. And Paul says, through Jesus, those fundamental differences are wiped out. Our nationality, our ethnicity, our socioeconomic, socioeconomic status, our political beliefs, Our family history, all those things that could choose to divide us are no longer important because Jesus has made a way for us to be family. He's come for every one of us. He's identified each of us in his image. And so instead of being identified by all the ways we're different through Jesus, we can be identified by the ways we're together together. Pastor Jerry talked about it before. He called it the Big C Church. There's churches all over the place this morning who do church differently. We just happen to have a guy who likes to dress in jeans and a button-down. He doesn't ever tuck it in. Why doesn't he tuck it in, some people think. Some people know that I'm trying to hide my belly. It doesn't matter how you do church. It matters who you honor, who you worship. And so all over the world this morning, people are coming together in their own way to honor Jesus. That's part, we're part of that family. Now, we could choose to focus on all the things that make us different from all those other churches. And we could argue with them, and we could debate, and we could have theological discussions about why we're right and they're wrong. Notice I didn't say why we're wrong and they're right. Because even in our jokingness, our humanity brings us to all the things that make us different. And Jesus doesn't look at any of those. He brings us to the place that all point to him. We're all offered his love. It's through Jesus that we find peace. Different people, different people groups finding them together, uh, in ways that are abnormal. That's what he's seeing in Ephesus. But Paul realizes that peace with God isn't earned. He comes to that place where he tells us if, if peace with God isn't something you have to earn, then peace with somebody else isn't something they should have to earn with to you. It shouldn't be, peace with other people shouldn't be about them earning your respect. Jesus offered peace to us freely. Now offer peace to your brothers and sisters freely. Stop focusing on all the things that divide. But wait a minute. But what about this one? Fundamentally, I can't be at peace with a person who blank. And Jesus says, don't focus on that. That person bears my image. I love them. I'm calling you to love them too. It's not easy. It's it. We, if you study Paul's life, you realize this took him a long time to grasp. At the end of his first missionary journey, there's a young kid who's, we're going to call him an intern. His name is John Mark. Mark. Paul tells him to do something, and John Mark's afraid, and he runs away. He leaves them. He leaves them. And it gets to a point where Paul separates from his missionary partner Barnabas over John, the fight for John Mark. Paul's like, I mean, Barnabas is like, let's give this guy another chance. And Paul's like, I don't give people another chance. I don't. You fail me, you're done. Ever know anybody like that? Nobody wants to raise their hand on that one. Fool me once. Shame on me. Fool me twice. No, we don't. We don't give other people a second chance. It took Paul a long time to learn this, but we read in Second Timothy, uh, Paul's last letter, Paul's co- as close to death as we know about in the New Testament. He tells the Timothy, "Come, I need you to be with me, and bring John Mark, the one who broke up a church, the one who split a church, the church I was pastoring." That guy, the one who did me dirty, that's the guy I want you to bring with me. Because what he did in the past doesn't matter. That's my brother. Through Jesus, it's it's not always easy. But through Jesus, peace with each other is possible. Because he causes us to look at people differently than we looked at them in the past. Third, Paul found that peace with himself was possible because of Jesus. Jesus. I don't know about you, but if you're anything like me, maybe the hardest person to be at peace with is yourself. We hold ourselves to such high expectations that it's almost impossible for us to meet the expectations we have on ourselves. Thus, we end up being aware of how we didn't meet them, and we feel like a failure more often than we feel like a success. that Acts 9 passage, Paul goes to Damascus, and someone in Damascus, we talked about it last week, is, is called by God to go care for him. And Ananias says, I, I can't go meet with that guy. That guy's dangerous. And God says, that's the guy I've called to introduce myself to the Gentiles and to their kings and to the Jews. Okay, that's high expectations. Paul was, if you, we talked also about his personal resume last week. He had a high opinion of himself, he was going after it. He didn't take too lightly to things. Yesterday, we were at a Festival in the Borough. And uh, Festival, the the Festival in the Borough time ends at six. Starts to wind down th- throughout the afternoon. And people, probably about four people, some groups start to take down their tents. And there's less and less and less time. And some of us, when it gets to be like five, is there, we're like, ah, we're basically done. We talked to a lot of people. Let's start to tear down. And there's other of us who are like, no, it says six o'clock. We're staying till six o'clock. Some of you have this debate in your houses where you have rule followers and you have, we'll call them not rule followers. Joy and I yesterday went to a, a birthday party for a one-year-old little beautiful little girl. And she, uh, the party started at two and it went till night. That was the invitation. And so. I understood that that meant we needed to be there sometime between two and end of night, because I'm not a rule follower. But Joe's like, we need to be there too. Because Joe's a rule follower. That's when it starts, that's when you go. Some of you in your house, you have that constant struggle. Some of you in yourself have it. Am I a rule follower or am I not? It depends on the day. Paul's got high expectations for himself. Comes to a place where he meets Jesus and he begins to learn that he can have peace with himself. He writes a letter to Philemon, and um, you'll notice on, I'll put we'll put the the, the standard. Of, Philemon only has one chapter, but I still put one. Philemon one eight says. It goes on through um, 21. So I'm going to jump into verse 17 because we don't have a lot of time. But it says, so if you consider me a partner, he's writing to Philemon about a man named Onesimus. And basically, he's putting himself on the line for his buddy Onesimus who wronged Philemon. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, Charge it to me. Paul, uh, I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back to you, not to mention that you owe me your very self. So I'll pay you what he owes you. I'm not even going to mention that you owe me. I do wish that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident in your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more. Then I ask. Paul comes to a place in his life where he's so at peace with who he is that he can ask Philemon for something that goes be opposite, the exact opposite of what their society was built on. Onesimus, the person we're talking about, is a slave to Philemon and he escapes. And at some point he comes across Paul. We don't know if he gave his heart to Christ during his time with Paul or even before, but he becomes, uh, he begins to serve Paul, and eventually Paul sends him back to Philemon, and said, and "Here's the penalty for an escaped slave: death." By all rights, Philemon should put Onesimus to death. There's no two ways about it. It's what their entire society is, was built on. More than forty percent of the people who lived in Rome, in the Roman world, were considered slaves. To break the slave idea was to. Totally overhaul the culture, the society. And Paul says, this guy's your slave, not anymore. Now look at him as a brother. And if he owed you anything and you feel wronged, I'll take care of it. You can't write that if you're not at peace with yourself at some point in your life. He has stopped trying to people please. Please. Anybody deal with the people-pleasing thing? I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but when you try to please everybody, you end up pleasing nobody. But it's really hard because we tend, for those of us who struggle with that, we find our identity and be able to make people happy. It drives us crazy that someone might not be okay with us. But when you begin to realize who you are in Christ, it matters less who you are in the eyes of someone else. Does not mean you don't want them to like you? No, you, you wanna have relationship, you wanna be at peace with them, but you don't have to go out of your way to sacrifice yourself to make them happy because you're trying to, in, to, to tr- create something. All for out, throughout humanity's history, Peace has been something they've chased. I was first made aware of this years ago, and I know I'm over time. At my buddy's house, we were, we were, at, we were graduating high school, we were in college, and he, he came home for a weekend from college. His parents had moved after he went to college. He came home to their new house. I went over, and, uh, he felt that their kitchen set up in their new kitchen was very inefficient. So he redesigned their entire kitchen. The plates should go here. The cups should go here. And his father, who was the cook in the family, walks in and can't find anything he's trying to use to make dinner. And he says to my buddy, Joe, what did you do? And Joe says, look, if you're loading an unloading dishwasher, it should be like this. And my friend's father was like, Joe, why every time you come home is there no peace in the house? I don't need efficiency in my kitchen. I need peace in my house. If we want to look at history, you can look at stories. You can look at art. You can look at literature. You can look at theater, whether it's plays or movies. Man's desire, humanity's search for peace is a tremendously popular topic. In fact, they will say that the classic story is the return home. The classic tale is for a person to make it home. Do you want to know why the t- classic tale, the journey to make it home is, is important? Because home is where peace is found. When you go on vacation, we all love to go on vacation. When you go on vacation and you're gone a couple days, there's a couple things you miss. About your house, we all miss different things. For my buddy's dad, it was his kitchen. For me, it's my shower and my bed. I loved. I planned for months to get away from my house, and as soon as I'm away from my house, I want to go home because there's peace there. Or we believe there's peace there. The irony of Paul's learning about peace is that uh, Paul rarely engaged with peace in the world. It was never peaceful. Everywhere he went, brought, riots broke out. But when you come to realize that people pleasing isn't real peace, you stop worrying about things that are less important. For Paul, preaching Christ was more important than popularity gain. For us, all of the striving that we do to earn what's freely given. Peace is possible through Jesus. The takeaways are He makes peace possible for your soul. Salvation and reconciliation for our soul is possible through Jesus. He offers peace to our circle, He offers peace to our spirit, and He offers peace for our sustainability. The Christian walk is not always easy. Sometimes you get tired. And yet Jesus comes and he says, I'm with you for always. Peace is possible through Jesus. Would you pray with me this morning? Jesus, I thank you. Thank you. I thank you that the deepest, darkest, most longing part of our heart can be satisfied through you. God, if there's somebody here who is searching for something to fill the hole they can't find the answer to, I pray that they would turn to you. In fact, nobody looking around, and I don't do this every week, but if you're here this morning and you're really struggling to find that peace and and you're willing to let Jesus come in, would you raise your hand? Thank you. You could put your hand down. God, you you see our hearts, you see our hands. I pray that you would bring our peace into the chaos. Order into the chaos. In your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite our elders forward. If Doc and PJ could come and I'm going to invite you to stand. We share communion together at the end of each service and we're a little later than we normally are. I apologize, but I invite you to come forward. We ask that you come forward, receive the elements from the elders, and then go back and we'll share them together. If you're new with us, I encourage you to, you're, you're free to participate, but you don't have to if you don't want to. But you're welcome to be part of what we're doing here. On the night he was betrayed Jesus took the bread and he broke it He said this is my body which is for you Do this in remembrance of me We've prayed today for healing That's possible through this Through the body of Christ Jesus Thank you for your offering to us. Thank you that we simply, instead of having to earn reconciliation, it's offered to us. Be honored by what we say and do. Would you take the bread with me? Scripture goes on to say in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's pray one more time. Jesus, I thank you <sighs> that peace is possible through the blood of Jesus. Jesus, thank you for sacrificing yourself so that we could be here today. Lord, I pray that our lives would reflect your peace in this world, that we would focus on things that are important and that. W- we would give up the things that we cannot control, that we would trust you enough to know that your ways are better. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you take the cup with me? Would you stand as I offer today's benediction? The Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, May the Lord turn his face toward you, and God, may you give us peace. In your name we pray, amen. Have a great week. We will see you next Sunday.